In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in May of 2022. Hi, my name is Donna Blanchard, and while we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Welcome to another day of your life, Mickey Weems. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just, for anybody who's listening, it's been a few days since we talked, we ended up Mm -hmm. pushing back our, uh, appointment to do this. So I feel like we have a lot to catch up on. Would you, what do you want us to know? Uh, I have a disco report. Oh yes. Let's hear about it. I, uh, yes, you could, you just go ahead and tell the whole story. Okay, so the Disco Report are two really cool incidents. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recount the incidences that happen when I go out to the after hours and dance, for, dance till dawn, literally, um, to house music, which is my go-to. The dance floor, as I've mentioned before, is my place of worship. And I treat it with sacredness, and I have a good time, and I flirt, because none of those things to me separate me from what's holy. Um, I was there, there's a gap going down some stairs that lead to the upstairs dance floor to the main entrance area. There's a gap from the stairs to the entrance area that puts you outside for a brief second with no cover. Um, It was raining. So when I walked from the staircase to the entrance, it just started pouring. Now, I felt the rain because... Of course, I was shirtless. <laughs> I was in my natural state, running around in a pair of shorts with no shirt on. Um, and I felt the rain and it felt good. So I just opened up my arms and just let the rain just drench me. And I was just smiling and I started dancing. And my friend Coco, who I just met that night, we became friends. She comes out there and she's dancing in the rain with me. We're just having a large time. Um, then when we walk inside, a friend of mine looks at me and says, oh, I love the glitter. He thought that the rainwater on me was glitter because it was sparkling so much. Uh, I thought, wow. <laughs> that is cool. Oh, man, that must have felt amazing. And it did. I imagine you're in a club dancing. You needed uh, the little cool off. Right. It did because it it evaporated fairly quickly it didn't it didn't i wasn't damp for the you know whole time or anything yeah um that, that was one thing that happened that i loved it, it was it was just magic the second thing that happened i was on the dance floor and i started talking with a young man found out he was from brazil and i told him that i was initiated into the african religion candomblé while i was in bahia brazil and he said oh candomblé he said you mean like this you mean like the maiji santus like the priestesses and he starts dancing, and he is mimicking their moves exactly as they do in Bahia. Oh, wow. So here's this guy doing a dance. Nobody else knows this, but I see it and go, oh, my God, he is dancing like a priestess. <laughs> that was another <laughs> magic moment just out of nowhere. The last thing I expected was that I would see someone dancing like a Maiji Santu. Okay. It was, it was amazing. He was amazing. That. That sounds really cool. How many, so um, just for anyone who may be new to the podcast, um, uh, Mickey 
that does have cancer <laughs> and he still loves to go out dancing. And I, I guess it was a little shock to me when you initially told me about that, because I thought people with cancer laid in bed, you know, uh, and, and um, had from the moment they got a diagnosis had a slow decline and your life is definitely more active than mine and potentially uh, I don't know, is your activity level, uh, like your commitment to going out dancing once a week, was that the same before your diagnosis? I've, I've decided actually after, after this last weekend, I've decided to go out dancing twice on Fridays and Saturdays, because I find, believe it or not, it's almost like a ministry. I meet people and talk to them and I feel like I'm doing good for them. They're definitely doing good for me. It's very good for my spirits. Mm. And I, I, I gain energy from these people. I honestly think that they're keeping me alive. Um, so that, that is a shift. However, there's also another shift that's happening. Um, I, I have to have my staff with me when I dance. I need something to lean, lean on so I don't fall. So there is that happening at the same time. I'm, I'm, I guess I kind of make a, a, a kind of a figure there on the dance floor because I've always got this like, you know, five foot staff with me. But yeah. Is that, uh, are you, um, is it more possible that you will fall because it's not for a lack of core strength or is right. it? It's um, stamina, lack of stamina. I need something to lean on and also balance. My balance is not as good as it used to be. Oh. So if I, you know, if I walk, I, I can walk a distance without the staff, but if I walk more than half a block, I need it. Oh, Okay. Okay. And that that's because of the way that the cancer is affecting what it's feasting on, how the, how your garden of lilies are growing. Right. Um, (laughs) It is a consequence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And before I go any further, I forgot to ask, how how are you feeling emotionally right now? Pretty good. Because the comic book cover for uh, stigma, stigmata, excuse me, the comic book cover is 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 finished. It's it's done. So I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna use it for fundraising to so I can pay for the comic. Um, oh yeah. So for those of you who are new to the cat uh, broadcast, um, Stigmata is a comic book that I'm writing, which is about the adventures of a man who has stage four prostate cancer, and he finds out that he has the ability to cure traumatic injuries. But the problem is that whenever he does, his cancer gets worse. And he meets up with a bunch of other people who also have powers. But like him, the powers are linked to something very negative, negative consequences for them. Mm-hmm. And I came up with the idea because someone was asking me why I was refusing hormonal treatment and uh, chemotherapy. Why, why was I doing that? And at the same time, why was I using anabolic steroids? And I said, you have to understand, having a good physique for me is like a superpower. And if the superpower ends up making me die earlier, I'm okay with that. Um, then my mind started thinking, okay, what if we actually made that into a comic book? 
of course, you know, me having a, having a lot of muscles doesn't mean I can heal somebody. <laughs> so there, there, there's a bit of a stretch there to say that there's a connection. But that was the inspiration for the comic book was my own life. Everything in the comic book reflects my life and the lives of my friends who are also represented in it. So there is a concept for the book. Is there, have you written it already or is that to come? Yes. Oh, you've written it. I've written just about the entire first, uh, first copy, first um, copy of the book. Oh, okay. Which is basically an introduction to Stigma himself and to his uh, crew of other superheroes, BC, Diamond, and Fade. And each of them has a superpower, but each of them has a superpower that comes with a price. Mm. Okay. I, uh, the cover is absolutely amazing. And hopefully by the time people are listening to this, they'll be able, they'll, there will be ways for them to find, to support the development of the comic book, or just it'll be ready to buy. I, today, as a matter of fact, I finally did something I should have done a long time ago, but actually I couldn't do it because I really didn't have the comic book cover till today in its fully, fully finished form. Um, I contacted the American Cancer Society and said, would you all be interested in this comic book that I'm doing that's going to have as its main character, somebody with stage four cancer? And dealing with a stage four cancer in very real life terms, problems with urination, problems with, uh, with being con- with, with constant, basically problems with taking a dump. <laughs> um, um, all, of, all of the issues, fatigue, everything else that that... I have to deal with that we people with cancer have to deal with on a daily basis. And God, does it get old. And I want them to read this comic book and say, okay, somebody sees me because so many times people who have cancer that we feel like, and I can say, we, we feel like we don't want to burden others. We don't want to complain. We don't want to tell them what's going on. And it gets kind of, you know, it can be really lonely. What an amazing way to create a community. Uh, I think that along the lines, while we're talking about the comic book concept, mm-hmm. our producer James has a question. Do you want to pop in? Hey, hey. yeah, well, hey. hey, everyone, um, Mickey, I love the comic. I can't wait. I can't wait to, uh, to take a read and kind of the story you described, at least that character, uh, a stigma, you know, it really resonates to me as following along the lines of traditional sin eaters in folklore and culture, uh-huh. these kind of spiritual characters, right? I'm sure, I know you know uh, what I'm talking about, but just as a mm-hmm. quick summary, maybe some of our listeners are unaware. Um, you know, in some cultures, uh, you have individuals who consume, they take on the sins of someone who is deceased or someone who is, who is moving on or is in trouble, and this kind of absolves their soul. Um, but as an effect, the sin eaters, of course, they, have, they carry all these sins of all these people, uh, that they've eaten and kind of absolved of their sin. And so these individuals are feared or, or shunned in society. Um, and I wasn't sure if, you know, your comic had any inspiration from that idea. Cause I know as a fellow scholar, you, you are highly aware of this. So I, I wanted to see how that, that story idea kind of resonated with you. If it did at all, I don't know. Um, I didn't think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what, great. But, I mean, what, what really inspired it was me doing anabolic steroids, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but of course I'm sanctifying it and making it, making my actions more holy than they actually are. No, um, I think you have an effect on people, you know, both in the comic, of course, they're, um, 
you know, drawn to the scale of, of epics, right, as a superhero. But, you know, in real life, you have an effect on people, a great, a great beneficial effect. And uh, uh, it was just something that it reminded me of. But it's so interesting that it, it draws back to this, this time-honored cultural historical precedent. Um, that's something that you were facing kind of deals with this, this huge narrative that's existed in many cultures, which, which is great. It's kind of tying back to, to this very mythical, this mythical figure. You're a mythical Whoa. figure, Mickey. <laughs> you are, <laughs> you are you. a mythology. Uh, <laughs> aspirations. Um, the, um, that is a really good point uh, because well, let's take, for example, the story of Abraham. Um, when uh, he's, he's, he's bargaining for his relative Lot. Lot is in the city with a bunch of very evil people. And um, Abraham says to God, if we can find 40 righteous men, then would you spare the city? And God says, yes, okay? And, and he bargains God down. He says, well, well, please forgive me for my impertinence, but and he names a lower number. And God says, okay, for the sake of, for the sake of though, that number, I will not destroy the city. And Abraham finally brings him down to 10. And God says, for the sake of the 10, I think that's how it goes. So if somebody who's a bit, those of you who, who know the Bible better than I do, please forgive me if I get the story wrong. Um, I, I think it's 10. Find, if, you, if you can find 10 good men, then I will not destroy the city. Uh, when you make a bargain with the divine, in this case, Abraham didn't have to pay anything for that. Because I think Abraham already paid the price when he was told to kill his own son. So God may have, may have said, okay, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I owe you one. Uh, so, um, but usually, when, whenever you have something like that in mythology, you do something that, that you ask the divine for help, there's a consequence. There's a price that you pay. And the sin eaters are, an ex are, are a perfect example of that. And honestly, I do believe in that because I, I am making a deal right now with the universe. And I know there's a price that I'm going to pay for it. And I'm quite willing to pay it. I gotcha. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks for this. Thanks for letting me jump in too. Random question. <laughs> Thanks, James. I, uh, we have Susan on the line. She can always pop in with questions as well. Uh, this, is a, this is a family. This is the band that we, mm -hmm. the reason we're coming in later is because one of us couldn't be there and we are in this together. Um, uh, I, the, the one religion that I do know well is Christianity. I grew up mm -hmm. as a fundamentalist Christian. You're correct on the 10. What always amazes me with you, Mickey, is your immense capacity to uh, not only understand the concept of so many different religions, but to remember something like the um, the priestesses and the the Brazilian priestesses. Uh, you, have you always had a fabulous memory or do you work at that <laughs> I've, this just shows you how much i've forgotten uh, <laughs> um i just have um this treasury of experiences that i can draw on um from going to yeshiva in israel to studying condomble and becoming initiated in brazil to ccd <laughs> uh catholic um the youth thing that they did for us when we were when we were kids right as, as catholic kids all of those things uh my um my consultation with my muslim friends before i converted to islam you know to try to make sure that i was i was serious and i was doing the right thing so um all of these things left an imprint and i guess the imprint was pretty deep because i can access them fairly easily uh yeah D did you seek to collect religions or yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Starting out with Zen, Zen and Taoism. What was your decision like to convert to Islam? I got pissed off. Oh, there's a story there. I want to hear it. <laughs> um, it was the Pulse Massacre. Happened Which... in Orlando, Florida. Uh, a guy who was second generation uh, Afghan. He was closeted and couldn't deal with it. So he decided to take it out on a gay club. He walks into a, into there with, uh, with weapons and just starts shooting at people. Their security fights back. There were actually armed security there. But of course, people are getting caught in the crossfire. I think with the, there were 50 people, I think, that died. It was yeah. horrible. And the reaction of, of, of extremist Americans, extremist Christian Americans, was horrific. Muslims are all evil. Um, but because it, was a, because it was a gay club, they said, oh, well, this happened to all of us. Instead of saying this happened to gay people, they tried to water it down. They would, the, their rhetoric was ugh, abysmal. And my Muslim friends were saying, we're so afraid. People are attacking us and we're doing, we've done nothing to them. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty, somebody goes after my friends, you go after me. So I already got defensive on that. I was working on an article on Julian of Norwich, the, the, the mystic from the 12th century in England. I was working on her bio and I realized that there's all these connections between her thought and Sufism, that Sufism seems to have, have, have moved from North Africa and uh, South Asia into Europe. So you get, you get this fantastic religious mysticism making its way to Christians. Um, so I, I contacted a man who wrote a book called Sufi Aesthetics. His name is Cyrus Ali Zargar. And I asked him about, the, about his book. And so I, I got the book and read it. And in it, he mentions that the, one of the main concepts for Sufism is that God is beautiful. I think I mentioned this before in a former podcast, the idea of a beautiful God, totally. It was, it was a Satori moment, as the Zen people would say. It was, it was an enlightenment moment to where I thought, that's the God that I want. And I thought, okay, and this comes out of Sufism, comes out of Islam. So I thought, I'm going to follow the path of Islam so I can become a proper Sufi and experience this beautiful God for myself. That's what did it. Do you resent being pissed off and being attracted to a beautiful God? So. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Do you resent at all the? Uh, I don't know about your Catholic upbringing. My fundamentalist Christian upbringing in uh, Lutheran Missouri Synod, which um, <clears throat> Martin Luther, yeah, taught us all about <laughs> fire and brimstone and a God that killed a whole bunch of people, including tons of babies. Do Do you ever? feel any resentment toward that depiction of God? Here, I think, is a difference based upon gender. I think that men don't have it as rough in Christianity, in most, most, most forms of Christianity, except maybe Episcopalian, which is so enlightened, okay, that, that women, women, my sisters have told me this, women are so discriminated against in the Roman Catholic Church, and I would imagine, I would guess that that was an experience that you had with the fundamentalist church you were in. Women, mm. women are handmaidens, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. Oh, yeah, we're know. support. It, we're there for yeah. support and nurturing. Especially after the handmaid's tale, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I have just moved to atheism straight up uh, and I, um, I don't look back with resentment, but I haven't found another, I haven't, I haven't found the opposite of what I grew up with yet. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I just curious about it because I know that you are uh, attached to, and you have g- good feelings about all of the religions that it sounds like you have good feelings about all of the religions that you talked about. I just wonder oh, about including you. Roman Catholicism. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm happy with my upbringing. I'm happy with being in- introduced to the saints, especially the Roman Catholic saints, by and large, most of them are just really, really cool. <laughs> and I'm, I'm dedicated to them. I'm devoted to them. So especially Mother Mary, Mother Mary, she, you know, she's mom. You know, she's good for me. <laughs> Great song, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> OK, we were going to talk about radiation in this episode, but we no longer have time ah. to do that. We're going to have to cover that in the next episode. We'll be back for that. But d- did you actually go dancing twice this weekend? I did. did. Was that uh, so? You did that on Friday night and Saturday night. Yes. How was Sunday? I went lifting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All well, right. I came back. Honestly, I came back with this buzz I didn't know what to do with. So I said, let's go to the gym. <laughs> oh, you same right from dancing because no, you dance. Actually, three hours. I had three hours rest. That that's incredible. Uh, Mickey, we should all wish to have that much energy now in wherever we are in our lives. That that's admirable. Anything that um, you want to make sure that we know uh, from this episode? Okay. So the, me being able to go lift weights after dancing for two days in a row, I know that that's going to be, it's not always going to be that way. And it hasn't always been that way. There's been times where I'm just like totally, totally just bashed yeah. without dancing, just, just from the treatments or just from the cancer itself. So I'm going to enjoy them as much as I can. I love that perspective. And um, I love how comfortable you are with you. And I feel like I never worry that you are going to push yourself too hard because I feel like you're also very in tuned with what's going on inside you. And a lot of that comes from you being able to picture this cancer as the yellow lilies, not something that you despise living inside of you. I, I just think that must have a lot to do with it. And it, um, I feel, I feel differently personally, since we have begun these discussions and I, I hope we're doing the same for other people as well as we go along. So thank you for so much for being you, for all of your honesty and being so candid with us. And we're going to wrap up and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Mickey. <laughs> Bye. I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying.